Thank you. Oh, you took my papers. I did. <laughs> I some I'm sorry. <laughs> Does that work? Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm really excited to be here this morning. Um, my name is Marilyn, and I'm a grateful compulsive overeater and a binge eater and a sugar addict and um, just an all-around compulsive person. Um, it's, it's been a long time since we've been able to get together, and uh, it's really a good feeling to look out at all of you today uh, to be here with you in person. I just want to say, um, to, to start off, that I don't speak for OA as a whole. What I have to share is just my own experience, and um, I'm going to be talking about God, because God is my higher power. I came to, uh, to Overeaters Anonymous 48 years ago, and um, that was in October of 1974. And my abstinence date is January 2nd, 1992. So I've been abstaining for 31 years, two months, and 24 days. And that is by the grace of God. Um, and that means that I, follow, I have followed a committed, weighed, and measured food plan and I've not overeaten, and I've not binged on my trigger foods in over 31 years. And in a few minutes, I'll tell you why I don't have 48 years of abstinence, but you may already have guessed that. <laughs> so um, I'm maintaining a 60 to 65-pound weight loss. And um, I just want to start off by uh, saying that um, I was tell you a little bit about my childhood. I was born and raised in Chicago, and I actually lived in Chicago for 85 years. Um, just turned 86 uh, years in um, February. And um, I moved to a suburb called Burr Ridge, Illinois. And um, after living in Chicago for 85 years, it's kind of weird to have a different address, you know, um, because um, I know Chicago was my place, and, and that's, that's dear to my heart. Chicago is dear to my heart. But I moved to a senior community um, because my husband had passed away, and I didn't really want to stay in the house anymore. It was too much of a drain for me. So um, I'm in this senior community, and I'm really loving it. I, it's not a place where I thought I would be. <laughs> I, I didn't think I'd be with all these old people, but... Um, but the fact is, is I'm old, and we have a lot in common, and um, and, it, and it's great. And so I have that, but then I have a lot of younger friends, um, OA friends. Some of them are here today. And um, so I have the best of both worlds, <laughs> young friends and, 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 the, and the people I live with. So, um, so I was born and raised in Chicago, and uh, my... Uh, my father was um, a compulsive gambler. Um, he also ate and drank too much. And so there was a lot of turmoil in, in my household because um, 
there was a lot of arguing about money because he spent money, and um, and my mother was a candidate for Al-Anon, but um, I took her to a, a, a Gammonon meeting one time, but she really didn't get it, and um, so so the, it was it was not a an easy childhood, but. Um, but they, but my and my father was very emotionally removed from the family. He, um, I didn't feel any kind of connection to him at all. And my mother was so wrapped up in, in his disease and trying to control his, his disease that um, she was emotionally removed a lot of the time as well. So um, my early childhood pictures show that I wasn't overweight. Um, but then, as I went into my preteen years, pictures reflected that I was chubby, and um, and I was teased a lot about that um, you know, from my friends as well as from family members. There was a lot of teasing, and um, my my mother used to say, "Oh, you take after your dad's family," and they were all big people. <laughs> so even at an early age, I got this image that I was big, and I was bigger than everybody else. And I always felt like I was different and odd because uh, all my school friends, girlfriends, were all thin. And, um, and I always wanted to be like them. And, um, and so uh, early on, I just had this feeling of, or this, this idea that thin was well, thin was good, thin was the ideal way to live, to be, and, um, and to be happy. And so I strived for that so much in my life. I just strived to be thin. And I, I went from one diet to another diet in the, in the supermarket. Every week when I went for groceries, there was a, the, the diet of the week in the, in the magazine. And I was always picking those up. So I was on the hard-boiled egg diet and the grapefruit diet and you know, whatever, whatever came along. I, I grasped at those and... I was successful at losing weight, but I didn't know, I didn't know how to stay stopped because uh, all the diets said, <clears throat> you know, um, now that you've lost weight, you can start eating uh, certain things again. And I didn't know that I had a disease, and I didn't know that there was this phenomenon and craving in me that when I ate certain foods, I couldn't stop. And... and um, and they triggered something in me, um, so um, so I, I I ended up gaining weight every time I lost weight. <clears throat> excuse me, I would gain it again. So um, yeah, so um, I was up and down, up and down, up and down all the time. So um, and again, my my big desire in life was just to be thin, and and I thought that that would make me happy. Um, so, um, uh, at 19, I, I found a man who loved me, <laughs> and I loved him, and uh, he didn't care that I was a little chubby, and um, so we got married, and I thought, oh, this is, this is heaven, I'm getting married, but um, boy, I didn't know what it was like to be married, and I didn't know what it was like to be in a relationship, because I had poor role models, you know, my role models, uh, you know, didn't give me good good uh, lessons on how to live life and be in a relationship. And um, so, and then the, then the child came, then the baby came, and it was like, oh, my gosh, 
how do I take care of a baby? I I didn't I didn't even know what to do. You know, it was it was a, a hard time, and my disease really progressed a lot in those years. So in 1974, I was walking down the street in my neighborhood, and I met this lady, and she said, and she was from one of the diet clubs that I went to, and she said. There's a there's a, di- a new diet club out there. She said, "Have you heard about it?" And I said, "No. What is it?" I mean, I wanted to know. And she said, "I don't know. It's called Overeaters Anonymous, and they do a lot of reading." She said, um, and she and I said, "Well, you know, where is it? Where is it? When is it?" And you know, I I went to my first meeting. It was like five minutes away from where I lived. And yeah, I heard something different there. You know, I heard some immediately. I heard something different, but. I, I uh, at that point in my life, I wasn't open to everything that they had to say there, you know, and um, so, and 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 the mem- some of the members there scared me to death because they were like really strong. They came from AA, and they were, and I was like, I'm not talking to any of these people, and I'm not, and I'm not asking any of them for help because they they really scare me, and if I talk to them, I might have to do something, <laughs> and I didn't. And I didn't, I didn't really want to do anything um, except go to a meeting once a week and, and follow the food plan because they did give out a food plan. So, you know, with that food plan, I, I managed to lose 30 pounds, which is what I had to lose when I first came in the program. So I lost that weight. And, um, and then I guess I didn't believe I was a compulsive overeater. So um, after I lost that weight, I would start to, take one of my binge foods once in a while and think, well, I could have this. This is okay. Tomorrow I'll be abstinent again. And so, and that worked for a while, but then it didn't, it stopped working. And then it took longer to get abstinent. And then I was, you know, more into the food. And um, again, I was too scared to ask anyone for help. I was really shy and introverted. Um, I still am. This is hard for me to do. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was, because I was raised thinking I should handle life all by myself. That I, this is, I could do it, you know, I could do it. Um, and then they talked about a spiritual life, and I was like, well, I got that. I went to 12 years of parochial school. I go to church. I got it. I got the spiritual life. Um, and, and so, um, so, the, so the weight gain then led me to uh, the how meetings, and I started to go to how meetings, and um, I had two years then of continuous abstinence, and um, but I hadn't really surrendered the food at that time. I was just submitting to this food plan and to this way of uh, working the program, and um, and so after two years. Um, we had some relatives visiting from out of the country, and they were staying at our house for about a month. And I was pretty stressed at that time. And um, we were sitting around the table, and my husband was Italian, so Italian people love to sit around the table and eat. <laughs> and um, so there, and I had eaten my committed food for the day, and there was a bowl of grapes sitting on the table. And I, I thought... I didn't really think too much about it, but I thought, well, it's fruit. I could have some of these. It's fruit. You know, what would it hurt me? It makes me think of the story in the big book, the guy Jim who 
uh, he um, he was a salesman for the company he once owned, and he was on a road trip, and he stopped for lunch, and he decided it would be okay to put whiskey in his milk. So I compare that. I thought, it's fruit. It's fruit. I'll have some. So I ate a few grapes. Then I wanted more grapes. And then I knew I broke my abstinence. But I pride and ego just kept me from picking up the phone and telling anybody about that. I thought, I'm going to be okay tomorrow. I don't need to tell anybody about this. I'm not starting over. You know, I got two years. I'm not starting over. And so um, so I didn't tell anyone. And then I was going into the refrigerator for grapes. And then within a couple of days, I was eating cake. I mean, it came on me so quick, just so quick, just like that. The disease just surged inside of me. And I, I, I was in relapse, and I didn't even know it. At, I didn't know it then. I didn't even know I was in relapse. Um, but, you know, I was heading in that direction because at that time I wasn't going to meetings. I was too busy with the people that we were entertaining. And um, I wasn't calling the sponsor. And I, wasn't, I was not being accountable to anybody, and I wasn't going to be accountable for this slip, that's for sure. So for the next five years, I tried to get abstinent again. And it was probably the worst time in my life. Um, I had days of abstinence, maybe even weeks, I don't know. I never left away. I came, I would come to meetings, um, but I did a lot of hideout meetings. You know what hideout meetings are? They're meetings where nobody talks about abstinence. And I did, I, that's, those are the meetings I went to because I didn't have to talk about abstinence then, you know? So, and I didn't have to be accountable to anyone else. So in, in December of 1991, this is five years down the road now, um, I'm overweight, 65 pounds. Now I'm 65 pounds overweight. I remember I only had 30 to lose when I first came in. I was depressed. I was full of shame and guilt. I'm, I'm, this is 17 years I went around Overeaters Anonymous, and I still am 65 pounds overweight. And um, so I felt really, I was totally, I was irritable, restless, irritable, discontent. My spirit was broken. I hated myself. And um, the picture I'm sending around is a picture uh, from Hawaii. Um, I had just, I went to college when I was 50. In fact, I went to college while I was in relapse, which was, I don't even know how I got through it. Although I think eating helped me to get through it. I don't know. (laughs) But um, because it was rough. But um, my son was working for United Airlines. Well, I shouldn't say that. He was working for an airline at the time. And um, he said, Mom, for your graduation, he said, we're going to take you to Hawaii. And, you know, Hawaii is to me like paradise. But I didn't want to go because I was... 65 pounds overweight. I didn't think anything looked good on me as far as clothes. I was so full of shame. I just didn't feel good about it. But I didn't want to disappoint my son, so we went. And so we came back, and I saw this picture. I mean, in those days, we didn't have a cell phone, so I didn't see it instantly. I got it developed, and and it was like, it was like totally just um, feeling so bad about me. And about my life, um, and I, you know, I hated myself. I took it out on my family. I mean, my family suffered because 
I was so unhappy with me that um, I was always irritable with them, and I was and I was tired of treating them that way. So, um, so after 17 years, I finally surrendered the food, and um, I did that on my knees. I remember uh, one day I I just slumped to my knees and I cried. I was crying and crying, and I, I said to God. I'm I'm just so tired of being of eating. At that point it wasn't about being thin anymore. It was about the way I was eating. Um because I was binging nightly and um you know just huge amounts of sweets and junk food and I would just eat myself to sleep every night. And um so I got on my knees and out of desperation, it was desperation, uh that I I, I asked God for help. And I, I, at that moment, I turned my will and my life over. I actually took the first three steps on my knees that day. Um, and I went to a meeting, strong meeting. And you may have heard of this meeting. It's in Burbank, Illinois. And we have a lot of strong recovery at that meeting, 20, 30 years of abstinence, 10 years of abstinence, a lot of abstaining people, and uh, they take the program very seriously. So... I went to that meeting, and I got a sponsor that day. And um, she said, call me at 9 o'clock every morning. Write down your food. Tell me what you're going to eat. Call it in. And, um, you know, I hated doing all of that. I didn't want to do any of that. I, it was like, this is silly that I have to tell somebody every day what I'm going to eat. What if I change my mind? Um, I hated planning it every day. One day I was so angry, I, I was had the scale, and I was um, measuring my food, and I just felt like I wanted to just smash it into the sink. I mean, this surge of rage came up inside of me because giving up the food is hard. It's hard. It was very hard. Um, she said I, she said I needed to weigh and measure. She told me that. Um, and, the, you know, pride and ego is at the root of my disease, and I needed to be humbled. And that was a way of being humble, was to call her every day and make that commitment. Um, my ego had to be smashed. Um, I had to do what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to do any of those things, but I didn't want to stay in the, in the place that I was either. So I thought, well, I'll do this. I'll do this. And, and I didn't really have a lot of faith at that time and hope that I was going to um, have any long-term abstinence. I just knew that I had to do it a day at a time. So the theme of this convention is, you know, together we get better. So with my sponsor's direction, I got better. You know, me and my sponsor, we got better. And um, all of all the previous years, you know, um, I was just dipping my toe in the pool, and dipping my toe in the pool. And now I had to immerse myself in the program and um, because I wanted recovery. Once I got a little taste of it, you know, I wanted more of it. And, um, and, and so um, the, doctor's opinion of the, uh, the doctor's opinion in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous talks about the physical allergy and the mental obsession. And I am in a class of people that's different. When it comes to food, I'm in a class of people that's different. I've had to accept that. I've had to accept that I'm a compulsive overeater. I will always be a compulsive overeater. 31 years of abstinence, 
doesn't mean I'm not a compulsive overeater. I'm still in that class of people. Um, and there are certain foods that I crave when I want more, and I had to give those foods to God. And, um, and the mental obsession was so strong that even when I wasn't eating, I was thinking about food all the time. I was thinking about, do I have what I want and when I want to binge? Is it in the house? Do I have to stop at the store? Ripping open packages in the car and eating them? I mean, it's, it's a miracle I never killed anybody or myself, um, you know, eating in the car the way I did. Um, and I, I would binge when I told myself I didn't want to binge. I didn't want to do it. And um, one of the members of our, at our meeting at Burbank calls this a monster. She said, this is a monster, this disease. It's so powerful that once I start, nothing else mattered in life anymore. It was all about the food. And in, in our invitation to you, in, in um, um, Overeaters Anonymous invitation to you that we read at our Burbank Thursday morning meeting, says we were in the clutches of a dangerous illness and that willpower, emotional health, and self-confidence, which some of us had once possessed, were no defense against it. Yes, this is a, 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 this is a dangerous illness. A dang, it kills. It kills. I know people in this program who have died from this disease. And it doesn't say on their birth certificate, compulsive overeating. You know, it's all the effects of this disease that kills so I got a sponsor, and I began being honest with that person. Honesty was a problem for me because in my household, when I grew up, there was no honesty. We, ne- we never talked about anything. But I, and so I kept a lot of secrets. So I had to get rid of the secrets. And um, so day by day, I got better. Every time I weighed in my, my food, I got better. Every time I called my sponsor, I got better. Every time I went to a meeting, I got a little better. Every time I made an outreach call, I got a little better. Every time I put my head on the pillow at night and thanked God for another abstinent day, I got better. Every time I worked a step, I got better. And then one day, my compulsion was lifted, and I didn't even know when that happened. It was the power of God. I know it was the power of God because I have no power. God did it. Um, I have no desire to eat the foods I thought I couldn't live without. I thought I couldn't live one day without chocolate. And I haven't had chocolate for over 31 years. And I don't want chocolate. And I don't miss chocolate. And it's, it's, it's totally gone from my life. Food today, I have neutrality around food. It's what I need to nourish myself. And yes, I enjoy meals. You know, I enjoy my food. Um, and, and, and it's okay to enjoy, to enjoy food. But I eat healthy food today, and, um, and I'm healthier for it. I'm 86 years old, and I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have diabetes. I don't have any. I take one prescription medicine, which is for... Um, and my sinuses, but that's all. And um, <clears throat> and that's that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, doctors are always amazed when I go in the office and my blood pressure is normal and all my blood work comes out good. Um, 
they're always amazed at that. And I've told them all about Overeaters Anonymous. So I started to hear, um, as I as I continued to go to meetings and get better, that my absence was contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. And I thought, I better start looking at this <laughs> a little more. Um, and and they said only a spiritual awakening or spiritual experience was going to be is was the treatment because absence. Abstinence alone isn't the treatment for this disease. Abstinence alone is not the treatment for this disease. It's the 12 steps. And it's through the 12 steps that we get this spiritual experience or this spiritual awakening. I've had a spiritual awakening because it it came slowly. Um, So I started to look at step 11, sought to a prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. I was becoming a more prayerful person. I was asking God in the morning for help and uh, thanking him at night for, for the day. And, um, but I didn't know much about meditation. I thought, I mean, I heard the word because it was in the step. And I thought, well, what is that? I thought maybe sitting down and reading a couple books was meditation. Um, and I thought meditation was for Buddhist monks. Um, but a friend, in a way, invited me to a morning of meditation at her church. And um, I thought, well, I'll go to that. I want to see what that's all about. And, um, and I liked it. I, I think God led me there, that's for sure. God led me there. God wanted me there. And um, I liked it, and um, but I didn't know if I could do it because it meant being silent, and I was like, "That's you know, that's not something I'm used to, you know, especially the stuff that goes around in my head, you know, um, all that noise all the time." And um, so I started with like maybe ten minutes once a day, and then it went to fifteen and so on. And, um, and I went on a couple of meditation retreats that, that she had told me about. And, I, and the, more, the more I got into it, the more I loved it. And now I do 30 minutes of meditation twice a day. And that means I sit still for 30 minutes and I, um, I say a word. I say a word. Um, and that I have to keep coming back to the word because the chatter in my head. <laughs> um, so that's made a difference in my life. Meditation has made a difference. Um, I found that I have to surrender everything that comes my way. Not only that I surrendered the food, that was the beginning, but I, had to, I have to surrender life because life isn't easy. We all know that, you know? Um, when, uh, I, I, I don't know how long I had been abstinent, but um, this, was, this was in 2015, my mother was aging. In fact, she lived to be 101, so I have some good genes there. <laughs> um, and, um, but I was taking care of her um, finances, her, her medical appointments. Uh, she needed a caregiver at that time, just hiring people to take care of her. And um, so she passed away um, at the beginning of uh, 1990, no, the beginning of um, 2015. And then 
And I missed her, but I, there was a sense of relief because th- there was a lot of stress connected to all that I had to do for her. And then a month later, my husband had a stroke. And um, they had to do brain surgery on him. And he was in a hospital for two months and then in a rehab center for two months. And um, it was probably one of the most stressful times in our lives. Um, he came out of that, but he was never the same. Um, I, when he first came home, I had to have 24-7 caregivers to help me because I couldn't take care of him by myself. And, um, and then one thing after another happened with him, and he, he did die uh, in, at the end of 2021 um, from cancer. So, um, yeah, you know, prayer and meditation get me through all of this. Um, I would tell God how exhausted I was at the, at the end of my husband's life. I would say, God, I'm so tired. I don't know if I can do this another day, and I, I, I need your help. And then I'd wake up in the morning, and I'd feel refreshed again. Um, and God would refresh me. And um, during those years, I prayed more than I've ever prayed in my whole life. Um, and through it all, I talked to my sponsor um, more often, and I talk to others more often, and and together we get better. Together we get better. I I tried to do this program by myself; it never worked. I failed, and so um, I had to talk. I, I had to talk to my sponsor about this talk because <laughs> because I've done a lot of service in the last thirty years, and um, I was even a trustee at one time and. Um, that was easier than getting up here and and bearing my soul. Um, but God is, uh, the grace of God is is what I need to project today, that, that grace of God is out there for all of you, for everyone. And um, there's there's no food plan, there's no meetings, no, no books, there's absolutely nothing on this world that can relieve this compulsion to overeat, but the grace of God. And God's grace made me open-minded. It made me honest, made me open-minded, made me willing to do what I needed to do to, to be recovered. And um, And I need to share that, and that's why I'm here today, even though this is hard to do. That's why I'm here today, to give maybe, some, maybe one person in this room hope. If even one person walks out of here with hope that this can happen to them, that'll, that's, that's a success. Um, and maybe some of you have had my experience, you know, and, and it lets you know that, you know, we're together and and we we all we all share in in this journey we share in this journey um, so how do I live one day at a time without picking up the food? I have a secret, <laughs> and i I don't charge for that secret. Um, I found that I had to stop running away from God and I had to run toward God. God is the serenity and the peace that I was looking for all of my life. I, I had this big, deep hole inside of me that I was trying to fill with food 
and and things on material things, things in the outside world. And um it's only my relationship with God today that fills that hole and that keeps me sane and keeps me abstinent. And God's peace is like nothing else that the world can give. You know, we know there's there's not a lot of peace out in that world in this world. Um but I have that peace today. I have that joy today that I always searched for in, in, in everything else. I live in this world abstinently, and I enjoy the things of the world more than when I was in the food, that's for sure. But the world doesn't give me that peace and serenity. The connection to my higher power helps me to deal with life and all the struggles that I have in life. And for the most part, I've been healed not only of the compulsion to eat, but of fear and resentment and low self-esteem and negativity. I mean, these are all a part of my disease. So I work at becoming closer to God, and I work at becoming a better human being because in the days of my eating, I wasn't always a, a good human being. You know, I treated other people uh, not very well um, because of how I felt about myself, which wasn't very good. How much time do I have? Well, in seven minutes, you have about 10 minutes left. 17 minutes left. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. But you're in charge. Okay. So together we get better. Me and God, me and God together we get better. Me and you, me and all of you, we get better together. Me and my sponsor, we get better together. Me and my sponsees, we get better together. Um, So this this is a we program. You know, our steps all talk about we and our and and together we get better. Um, I was a broken human being at the end of 1991, totally broken, and God made me whole again. And I have so much gratitude for that. Um, and so with my gratitude, I give back to the program as much as I can. Um, I've done a service work um, that was above the group level, uh, at the world service level, at the region level, at the intergroup level. And um, now as I've aged, I'm back to the meeting level. <laughs> and, um, and, that, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. Because there's a lot of people, younger people out there, who can do the other service levels, you know, to go to world service business conference, to go to region assemblies and do that kind of work that... You know, I can't do anymore. In fact, in 10 days, I'm going to have a hip replacement. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm having a hard time standing here. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, and I'm not looking forward to that, but I had one hip replaced six years ago, and um, and I need to have this one done, too. It's not good. And um, so I'm not looking forward to that process, but you know what? I know that the end result, just like with the program, 
I have to go through the process, and then the end result is a relief of my compulsion. You know, that's the end result. I'm relieved of my compulsion, and I, and I develop a relationship with a higher power who I learn to trust and, and you know, and, and to, to go to in, in all of my life's difficulties. Um, so I, I trust in my higher power, and I would ask all of you to, it's April the 4th, if you'll pray for me on that day, if you'll pray for my medical team on that day, um, so that um, things, things go well. Things go well. Um, I have faith that they will go well, uh, and I trust in God. And I remember when I had the, um, the other hip replaced, I remember um, falling asleep before they gave me the medication, you know. And, and I was praying as I was falling asleep. And that's what I plan to do again, is to pray as I'm falling asleep. Um, so, you know, I'm evidence that you can come out of relapse, you know, that it is possible, and you can have long-term abstinence. I mean, it is, it's possible for all of us. Um, it took me a long time to get it, you know. It took me 17 years to get it. But once I got it, and thank God I kept coming back. I mean, I know so many people who just leave this program. You know, they're having difficulty with abstinence, and they leave. And I didn't leave. I just kept showing up, just kept showing up, even though I went to those hideout meetings. But, you know, there was something everywhere for me. Um, I got something everywhere I went. And um, so... Keep coming back. I encourage you to keep coming back. Um, once I started to take this disease seriously, then I started to take the recovery seriously. And also in um, our invitation to you, it says, there is a proven workable method by which we can arrest our illness. See, we none of us can be cured of this illness. My, my sponsor always says that only hams are cured and um, so, so there, so there is no cure. There's no cure, um, but there is a proven workable method, and that proven workable method is the twelve steps of Overeaters Anonymous. And all we have to do is work those steps, and we work them together. We work them with the sponsor, and um, nothing gives me more joy than um, I did a fifth step recently with a sponsee. Nothing gives me more joy than to do that today. And, you know, she's saying, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm saying, hey, <laughs> you know what? This, this did more for me than it, maybe it did for you, you know, because um, that's my responsibility today is to give back to the program in whatever way that I can. Um, and so she's on her way, and that's, that's a joyful t- thing. It's a joyful thing to see somebody else be on their way and to work the steps and get better. So, um, yeah, I had to start taking this seriously because this program works. It works. Um, the steps are the answer. If it worked for me, God, it can work for anybody. So um, 
There's a there's a little song I want to play. I hope this is going to work. I'm gonna I'm gonna. It's about surrender, and it's a beautiful little. It's only a couple minutes. Um, let me uh, pull it up on my phone here. Um, Can you hear that?
Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that's so beautiful. I play that every day. Um, so that's about all I have. I wish all of you peace and blessings and a, and a good weekend today and this weekend. I hope you get whatever you need this weekend. And um, I encourage you to just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. With that, I pass. Thank you.